Welcome back to season three of the Human Experience Podcast, hosted by me, Kiara Marie. I am a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and root cause protocol consultant. I'm here to share my human experience as well as have powerful conversations with the leaders in the health and wellness space. The Human Experience Podcast began because I truly believe our souls are here to experience a wide range of emotions, make mistakes, own our past traumas that led us to make them, and face our deepest fears in order to grow. The human experience is a conversation about self-development, conscious awareness, and normal human responses, and connecting emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health. The human experience promises to deliver authenticity and diversity. The human experience community is a group of humans doing the work so they can live their lives to their fullest potential and are here to break intergenerational family patterns so generations to come can too. At The Human Experience, we're diving deep. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy the show. Thank you so much for joining me on the Human Experience Podcast. How's it going in Sacramento? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Sacramento is called the City of Trees. So right now we are dealing with a lot of pollen, a lot of allergies, a lot of sinus issues. So um, I am not immune to that here. If I live any other place in the world, I can not have allergies. But right now I'm definitely feeling that. So you may hear a little bit of extra phlegm in my voice but that's that's why yeah I've never had issues with allergies but I have a brother who does and um some like springtime is worse like a few weeks ago I was like oh it's definitely allergy season for him but the further south down down south we go he's just like totally fine complete 180 so I didn't know that Sacramento yeah, I guess they decided to plant a million different species of trees. So at any point, you can be walking down the street and see a hundred different varieties of trees and all the different pollens that they produce will somehow make it into your sinuses and give you a, a difficult time. I mean, so how, what are you doing to mitigate all of that? A lot of things. So I think it's really important in spring to focus on bitter greens and bitter herbs. So I've been drinking a lot of dandelion tea uh, milk thistle, making sure the liver and gallbladder is nice and clean, making sure the drainage funnel of the body is really um, cleared out. So sauna, sweating at least once a day is really important. And then lymphatic massage. So I'll even massage my sinuses and my lymph in my neck and move it downward to kind of help out with that drainage. And then sweating is really important, dry brushing, rebounding, walking. And then if it's really bad, I, I have some clients and some friends who it's really, really bad. It's like, you may not be appropriate to just be outdoors right now. Like wearing sunglasses and protecting what's coming into your internal environment might be the most important thing to do. And then histamine is a huge part of allergies. So working on things that support your body's clearance of histamine. And I think the big things that I've been experimenting with this year is from ancestral supplements. And so supplementing with desiccated kidney and thymus and these glandular supports that have natural DAO, which is the enzyme that helps break down histamine in the body has been incredibly important for me with my sinuses, energy, brain fog, and all the histamine related conditions that are associated with allergies. I love that. And um, you just mentioned a lot of things that I used to do. I used to rebound every single morning and I have my rebounder downstairs but I like this is motivation for me to get back on it <laughs> um I do a lot of dry brushing though every single day so that feels really good that's a good lymph support right yeah totally I think when I think of lymph I also just think of um there's homeopathic drainage remedies by energetics that I really like. Adding it to the water is really awesome. And then dry brushing, anything that stimulates movement in the body is really great. But our skin is like a conductive electrical system in the body. And when you create that conductivity with the dry brushing, you're actually stimulating the lymph on the skin to help flush toxins through the body. So it's important to do upward strokes towards the heart, the way that the pathway is actually designed in the body. 
but Ayurveda has these gloves called Garshana. And there are these gloves that are actually made with this conductive material that you can put on both your hands and then have a lymphatic massage, or you can see an Ayurvedic practitioner and they can do a whole Garshana treatment to your body. So that's my next purchase. Ooh, that sounds super fun. I'm all about trying new things. <laughs> um, all right, so we're getting deep into conversation. Um, but I want everyone who doesn't know you, Michael, to just get to know you a little bit more. So can you tell us a little bit more about what led you to this work and into this field? Yeah, so I would say around 20 years old, I was at Chico State, big party school, drinking a lot, eating Subway sandwiches for lunch, not giving a damn about my health, I had no health conditions at that point, it was just living life carefree. And then I was gelling my hair one day and all of a sudden I started seeing like clumps of hair falling out of my hands. And then people started commenting on like receding hairline and making funny comments about it. And like literally right at that moment, I could feel anxiety starting to creep in, self-consciousness starting to creep in. And those emotions really started down-regulating my immune system. Next thing you know, I'm getting frequent colds and this lifestyle of drinking, eating is starting to catch up to me. So my hair is falling out. I go see my doctor. He treats me with Propecia, which is a hair loss medication that completely alters your testosterone production, decreases testosterone production, increases estrogens. I started having all sorts of hormonal issues that I wasn't connecting to the medication at the time. And one of the primary symptoms was acne. So next thing you know, three months after this medication, my hair stops falling out, which is great. I'm no longer self-conscious about that. But all of a sudden, I'm dealing with acne for the first time in a long time. And so next thing you know, I'm on all these different medications and antibiotics and spot treatments, benzoyl peroxide, salicylic acid. I'm on a new skincare product almost every single day of the week. And it became this obsessive compulsive need to fix that was being exacerbated by the hormonal dysregulation that I was on to the medication for the hair loss. So at 26 years old, it took me six years of suffering through this to realize that these things are just creating disbalance in my body and it's time for me to shave my head and it's time for me to just confront my fear. Everyone in my family line is bald. It's, they call it the angel halo or last name's angel. And it was like time for me at 26 years old just to like meet my maker and just shave my head. So the day before my 26th birthday, I went to my barber who's been cutting my hair for like five years and I told him it's ready to shave my head. So he shaves my head. The next day on my birthday, I go to my first ever yoga class. And I go to this yoga class and the instructor before the class starts says, I want you guys to all stand up, go introduce yourself to someone you don't know and tell them about what you did yesterday. So I walk up to this older lady, he's like my mom's age. And I told her that I shaved my head yesterday for the first time. And she looks at me with the most genuine look in her face. And she grabs me with both her hands. And she says, honey, it looks like you were meant to be bald. You look so beautiful. And I cried in her arms and for the first time full, fully accepted for losing my hair. And went through my first yoga practice and came out of Shavasana with tears all over me, sweat all over me and realized that what I needed in that moment was just love and acceptance and to come to terms with what was happening in the changes in my body and to get a new friend group. <laughs> and uh, so that's kind of what led me to my journey with health. And I started really getting into like natural medicine and holistic medicine, completely ditched the pharmaceuticals, got off the Propecia, got off all the synthetic stuff, but then really started getting caught up into the inertia of the celery juice cleanses and all the fad diets and stuff that I had to weed through in order to find out what was actually good for me. And during that course of that time, I would say about maybe four years ago, this is what really took my health to another level was I was living in a moldy house that I didn't know was moldy. I was living in it with a girl who I was engaged to at the time. And we separated and it was a huge crush to my ego and it really affected my nervous system, my anxiety. I was having to reclaim my identity and being in this long-term relationship and everybody knew we were engaged. And so all these things were after my immune system. And then December hit and all the rain started to come in and the basement that was constantly flooding year in and year out that I didn't know about was flooding underneath me. 
and it was at a perfect time where my immune system couldn't handle the environmental mold and I got a really bad sinus infection. And due to the, the mainstream media about oil of oregano and how popular it is in the health and healing industry, I just started mega dosing with oil of oregano and completely destroyed my insides. I mean, I was literally burping what felt like fire and I was having nausea and gut pain. I was waking up at two, three in the morning with severe panic attacks. And the sinus infection just wouldn't go away because lo and behold, I'm living in this moldy home underneath me, this basement. And so I'm treating it with neti pots and all these things and it completely destroyed my health. And the mold made me so incredibly sensitive to everything. And anyone that's dealing with mold, and we'll get into this today, is it makes you increasingly sensitive to your environment, to sounds, to supplements, to everything. And they call it mast cell activation symptom uh, syndrome. And so that's, this became my journey. And so my journey in the last four years has been working to navigate with this increasing sensitivity to my environment. And it's taught me how important these fundamentals of eating with no distractions are when you try and tell a client or a person that they need to eat in a complete silence. When you've gone through mold illness or any type of illness and you realize how sparse your energy is, you realize how important these little suggestions are that amount to something big over time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us, Michael. Wow. That is a lot. Um, but what a beautiful journey. Mm -hmm. and how cathartic your first experience was when you were loved and accepted for the first time in your life in that yoga class. So like you just mentioned, um, like your ending of the engagement and just your whole health history, I'm sure brought up a lot of anxieties. So what helped regulate your nervous system? What did you do? Yeah, I would say the biggest things for me at different parts of my journey, um, yoga has been incredible. And so when I tell people that they need to do yoga, most people think that it's about stretching in a room full of sweaty people. And it is, it's very much that. But what people don't understand about it who have never done it is it's like a deeply spiritual practice that connects you to your breath and to your body. And it, and it cleanses out stored emotions in the body. So I can't tell you how many times post breakup that I was in a yoga class sweating my ass off and then a Trevor Hall song came out of nowhere and just completely broke me down. And next thing you know, all this grief started coming out of me. And I would just sit there and cry and let those things come up and out of me. And I really feel like in order to get the nervous system back into balance, we have to grieve and let go of these stored emotions that trap themselves in the body. And there's a variety of different ways to do this, but I've really found that yoga is an incredible technique to be able to access these emotions in the body through posture and breath and practice, and then release those on the mat. And then once you release those, you'll be presented with other opportunities for other stored emotions, but you feel lighter and you feel more imbalanced. And I really feel like the breath and the movement practice and syncing those two things up is the access point to those emotions. I used to do hot yoga consistently for like a year, two years ago, or no, was it a year ago? It was like a year or so ago um, before I moved and then this pandemic hit. And I, you know, I just love being led by an instructor. So I haven't done yoga in a while. I think I did like an at-home yoga journey for 30 days, which was really nice and beautiful, but I have like the hardest time just like committing to yoga for some reason. But um, I, I love what you just said, like just clearing those stored emotions, like don't let your issues get stuck in your tissues kind of thing. And I think a lot of us underestimate like how much these symptoms do manifest physically by just trapped emotions. So one of the ways that I've started doing um, lot clearing um, is EFT. Have you heard of EFT? Yeah. No. Yeah. That's been working for me. Also just like breath work and lots of journaling, but I want to get back into yoga. Like this is like a really good conversation to have and just really inspiring. So um, any other ways that you love or is yoga like your main tool? 
No, definitely. So yoga is an incredible tool, detoxification and just improving overall physical health. I mean, I can't tell you when doing castor oil packs on my liver, some anger and resentment coming through. It's like when we clear out the toxins in the body, we don't realize, I don't even think we fully understand what a toxin is. I mean, we can sit there and talk about endotoxins and PUFA all day long, and those are real. But I really feel like I don't even think human beings know what we're uh, we're shitting out and sweating out on a daily basis. And so I've had tons of moments during Herxheimer reactions and cleansing and sauna sweating where I will literally just burst into tears or have anger or resentment and all these things come up and out and through the body. And so I think just improving overall physical health and focusing on drainage and supporting lymphatic drainage, making sure you're shitting on a regular basis. I mean, I can't tell you how much of an anxiety relief is just having a morning bowel movement. Oh, I'm with you, especially having gone years without having one. Like, exactly. How much gratitude. <laughs> um, totally. I have a question. So when did you start to learn how to honor these emotions that would arise. Like, um, I'm sure you've seen this a lot in this space, but as a man, I feel like, I mean, just as humans in general, we've been told to, you know, store emotions by being told it's okay, don't cry, um, mm. don't do that here, you know, things like that. Where did you learn and how did you um, go about just honoring those emotions? Yeah, it's actually, you were right. It is a, a difficult thing for a man to do. I think that is something that we really need to work on with the toxic masculinity thing that's happening right now. It's, I've seen improvement with it, but for me, it's, it's never been something that I've been able to avoid, meaning I've always had an acute sensitivity to emotions and I've always been a highly emotional kid and a highly sensitive individual. And so that's been one of my gifts, but also one of my greatest curses. And I don't feel like it's really been actually fully actualized and became a gift until recently because my society and society at large hasn't actually rewarded men for being sensitive. And so in high school, I would be so sensitive and I would just pour my heart out to women and they couldn't receive it. They didn't want to receive it. They actually wanted the man at that time who didn't express their emotions. And so it was this weird thing that the feminine was reinforcing the masculine to do things that they actually didn't want them to do. And so I, in college, kind of shifted that. I studied in psychology and I started really paying attention to human behavior and I stopped kind of expressing my emotions in that way. And I started kind of being that cocky, arrogant guy that I witnessed that women were attracted to. And it worked. And it reinforced this unhealthy behavior and unauthentic behavior to myself that was getting me women. And so I got into relationship with women and I really started to develop that authenticity again. And that allowed me to be vulnerable and emotional and sensitive again and reclaim who I've always been. And it wasn't until like the last five years to where women have actually really started to appreciate this. And so I really feel like if we're going to shift this conversation and allow men to be vulnerable, we need a safe space to do so. And I really feel like the feminine has this incredible nurturing capacity to be able to support men in their process of un unreleasing a lot of these stored emotions. And women have always been that for me. And so when Mother's Day or any of these emotional holidays come up for me, I really feel that nurturing energetic quality that allows men to be more vulnerable and self-expressed. And so I kind of attribute my success in being sensitive to women because you guys have always, not always, recently have allowed me to feel fully expressed. So beautiful. I love this conversation so much. You have no idea. Um, I've kind of dabbled into the work of the masculine and the feminine, understanding that we each have both and learning how to honor both of them because I came from this very, I mean, what you were just describing, I was that girl in high school who was attracted to those men who didn't want to pay me the respect and um, attention that I needed. But that came from, you know, a childhood where I was very insecure as just a baby. Like I grew up and I felt like I came out of the womb this way. <laughs> I was just very like attached, um, very insecure. And um, so 
when it came to men, those were the men that I was choosing. And so I had this, this toxic feminine inside of me. Um, and then I wasn't using my masculinity at all. So it was just, you know, there was a balance and I was just way on this end of the spectrum. Um, and so it wasn't really until like this past year that I started learning more about that. So I think it's beautiful that you learned to honor that. And um, something I've learned myself is setting containers. Um, when I'm angry, I will honor that anger instead of being passive aggressive or being um, frustrated about things um, and just not expressing that anger. I don't know if you're into Enneagrams, but yeah. I'm an Enneagram nine and I am known to not like conflict and just wanting to keep the peace as a peacemaker and um, but I've come to learn and recognize how important anger is as an emotion and how beautiful anger can be when expressed in a safe space. Um, so something I've recently been doing is like stomping or like screaming into a pillow and um, just not storing that anger because I know how that manifests physically and for me that's digestive issues and I feel like a mm. lot of women um, you carry a lot of their emotions in their womb space and that can manifest as like PCOS or like gut issues, so many things. But, um, I love that you're bringing this up. And this is like a conversation that we need to have more of because I know so many men still today who are afraid to, you know, cry or yeah. say how they feel about things because of what their fathers may have told them and what their fathers may have told them. It's this whole cycle of things. And I, I think it's so important to talk about it so that our future generations like can feel safe for once. So yeah, <laughs> that was a lot. But thank you for sharing that. Um, so you brought up a lot of Ayurvedic discussions and I love this because I um, was super into Ayurveda at one point in my life as well. I think going through this journey, I've kind of just tried like, a lot of things, you know, trying to yeah. my symptoms and heal my body. But I really like Ayurveda because of how it connects you to the world and nature and just earth. So what led, what led you to Ayurveda? Yeah. Um, a woman. So about, <laughs> Last year, I met a woman at an ecstatic dance, and she completely changed my whole life. And so we dated over the course of the pandemic, which was beautiful to have. But she was extremely into Ayurveda. She was training to be an Ayurvedic massage therapist. And I was coming fresh out of functional diagnostic nutrition program, becoming an FDN practitioner, studying lab work, very science, very heady, very analytical. And she was deeply spiritual and into the rhythms of nature and chanting and prayer and all these things. So it was, there was an odds there. There was a resistance there to me kind of letting go of this animal-based diet, lifestyle, functional lab testing, measuring the microbiome, creating targeted supplements, being on all these different, you know, treatments. And she would come in here healthy as ever eating lentils and I would be like oh my god why are you eating grains you need to eat meat and there was just all this resistance and lack of acceptance and not seeing really that she wasn't asking for any of these things right and she was healthy on her own so I try and meet these oppositions these days with an inquiring mind to be like okay what can I learn from this experience because I don't have everything figured out and I can learn something from every engagement from somebody. And so the breakup of this relationship happened about four or five months ago. And the grief of that actually allowed me to surrender my ego. The grief completely stripped away my ego and allowed me to see what she was trying to bring into my awareness. And one of the big things in Ayurveda is the doshas. So there's three doshas. Pitta is a fire and water dosha. Vata is an air and ether. And kapha is a uh, water and earth. And so each one of these doshas have imbalances and balances. And my particular constitution is a pitta, which is a fiery type. So 
I am somebody who has a lot of drive, motivation, but also has a lot of irritability and anger. And my predominant diet was a very pitta aggravating diet. So I was following, you know, the pro metabolic scene and all these things, which have great wisdom, but a lot of it advocates for the consumption of red meat, which by no doubt I can meet you exactly where you're going to have this conversation about the nutritional value of red meat versus poultry. But if you look at the energetic qualities of red meat, it's very heating, right? And if I'm in the middle of summer, which is pitta season, the highest heat of the seasonal um, transitions, and I'm eating red meat with spices and all these other aggravating pitta ingredients, I'm going to be putting fire on fire. And so I was more irritable during the summer. I had more like skin rashes and bumps than I normally had. And then I'm somebody that goes into a sauna every day. I am, I should not be going into a sauna when it's 110 degrees outside eating red meat and all these energetically hot foods. And this woman was trying to tell me to be on a pitta pacifying diet and kind of avoid some of these heating foods. And I wasn't willing to surrender my story of health in order to accept her wisdom in. And to bring our last conversation about the masculine and the feminine to this one is I really feel like men have a difficult time in accepting wisdom from women. And I realize in unpacking this rash relationship is this because it somehow we have built our identity of being a man as somebody who has it all figured out. And if we don't have it figured out and the woman is going to come in there and try and impose upon something that we should have figured out, it's going to make us feel less masculine and therefore less worthy and less attractive. And so I really feel like women have a lot to offer men. And as an aside, men, if you're listening, allow the woman to come in and support you in the ways that they're good at supporting you. Like don't, think that you allowing help in from a woman is going to make you less of a man. It's actually going to breed more intimacy with your partner. And so what I learned through Ayurveda and what I'm learning now is following a pitta pacifying diet during the seasons where my pitta and my fire is going to be most activated. So right now we're in spring, which is kapha season, which is really wet and sticky. So now I'm starting to transition my food away from being things like my milk. I'm starting to decrease my milk consumption because that during the winter months is really great when it's cold and dry because it keeps you moist and insulated inside your body. But right now the external environment is raining a lot and it's really wet outside. So I need to bring in foods that are going to combat that stickiness and wetness in the external environment. So right now you want to focus on bitter greens, bitter herbs, things that are growing seasonally right now to help remove that insulation and bring out all that phlegm and excess kapha out of the body so that we can prep ourselves to move into pitta season, which is summer, to where we want to focus on more fruits and cooling foods and energetically cooling foods like cabbage and things like this that will help suppress the internal heat from rising too much in the body during the season where the heat is the highest. I have a question. So I took a dosha test like here this time. And what came back was that I have a kapha body, but I have a pitta like internal body. So how would you support that? <laughs> yeah, I... By all means, I'm not an expert. I am studying this as we speak, but everybody is born with physical attributes that put you into whether you're a pitta, kapha, vata. And so you may have a kapha body type, but your imbalance tends to be in pitta being driven by your lifestyle, your thoughts, your emotion, and your diet. And so what you want to do is kind of eat in supporting to whatever current imbalance is happening in your body with that particular dosha knowing that you have a predisposition to having more cophagenic qualities. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you make me want to go have an arugula salad right now. That sounds yes. refreshing. I love arugula. Um, I love what you said about, you know, just allowing the feminine to come in and support the masculine. Um, I think a lot of men need to hear that. And setting that ego aside and it took an event for you 
to really see that. You didn't really see that right then and there. So that almost happened for you. Um, uh, what was I gonna say about Ayurveda? Um, have you ever done a Kitri cleanse? Mm-hmm. Um, I have not. I've had Kitri. I've been experimenting more with these Ayurvedic type um, foods. They're, they're new to me. I've learned how to cook with meat most of my life and I still do consume meat on a regular basis. Um, but there's value to eating these Indian based Ayurvedic meals because the way that they're designed is the spices that they use, cumin, coriander, and fennel and these things they are actually promoting the body's digestive system to breaking down these foods that we are labeling difficult to digest. And so lentils, grains, these things are difficult for our system to digest, but when they're paired with things like ghee, cumin, turmeric, you're adding nutritional value in digestive spices that are going to enhance your agni or your digestive fire to be able to break down and assimilate these nutrients. So whether you're eating meat or any of these types of things, I like to drink a little bit of um, spiced tea, warm liquids after meals. That's one of the most important things I've learned through Ayurveda is to only drink warm, at least room temperature, but warm liquids in between meals. And the way I think about it is look what happens when you put a warm blanket on your body, immediately your muscles start to relax. And I think about digestion a lot differently. I mean, I learned it through FDN and measuring the microbiome and seeing all these overgrowths, but why are the overgrowths there? And how do you go about treating those things? Just restoring basic digestive function by not drinking cold liquids that are going to cause constriction in the digestive system is going to improve overall digestive health and elimination. And having regular elimination is going to prevent these overgrowths to have to come in to be able to break down the food that you're not eliminating. So instead of going in with antimicrobial herbs, I always start with making sure that the person's digestion and elimination is regular and normalized. And they're doing these basic eating at routine schedules, regulating blood sugar, having warm liquids in between meals and improving that digestive fire prior to meals in Western functional medicine. That's with digestive enzymes, but in Ayurveda drinking like a little bit of ginger tea, is going to stoke that fire. And if you really start looking at your fire or your digestion like a fire, and the appetizers are the kindling, right? So bringing in some chutney and some other foods and snacking a little bit of foods prior to your meal is going to secrete the digestive juices that are going to be present when you go and bring in the big meal. And structuring your meals so that breakfast is kind of a lighter meal and then lunch is your heaviest meal and then dinner is more of a lighter meal because you want that fire to build throughout the day and be at this highest in the middle of the day. And then you want that to temper off in the evening so that in the evening, you're not having this big surge of digestive fire that's going to have to break down this heavy meal. And then that's going to keep you up at night. So I've gone in a complete 180 from using biocidin and antimicrobial herbs and all these different therapies to just being like, okay, let's just focus on regular digestive health, structured eating, the frequency of your food and drinking warm liquids and enhancing the digestive fire. And if you still have issues after that, let's run a GI map and go in there with some targeted treatments and see if you got H. pylori or SIBO and these other things. But I find that a lot of people's issues just get resolved because they're not doing these basic fundamental practices of having a healthy digestive fire. Yep. And I think that a lot of people might want to get fancy and run lab tests and do all the expensive supplements because they feel that's what they need. But a lot of the times it just requires patience and the fundamentals. I think when I started eating slowly, because I grew up like watching my dad eat, who was always hunched over and just like scarfing down food. So I replicated the same thing. And it wasn't until 2017 (laughs) for the first time ever in my life, I actually just like chewed my food for like 20 times. Each bite was just relaxed and settled and wasn't on my phone. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not bloated. It's crazy. Um, It really can be that simple. And I love ginger tea. One of my favorite spices, um, 
when I was into Ayurveda and was doing everything was cardamom. And I still love it. Like <laughs> cardamom, so good. But I feel like um, all of that warmth definitely brings a lot of benefits. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. I love your perspective. I'm pretty much the same way. I just love like laying out foundations and being consistent with them because I think a lot of the time we think that it's going to happen overnight but you can definitely see like some benefit to like you can see some tangible benefit right then and there like you're eating slowly or maybe some ginger tea do you like um apple cider vinegar at all yeah I I think that's really great for improving hydrochloric acid and uh, something you see, it's something I see. I think we don't have enough stomach acid or digestive fire to be able to break down these heavy proteins and these heavy meals. And so I've been really paying attention to when I feel like my digestive fire is lower and not falling into these default habits of making sure that I have animal protein with every meal and a carb and all these things, but really just paying attention to being like, oh no, actually I feel a little bit more emotional today. So I know that my digestion is going to be compromised because I can feel that my anxiety or my stress level is taking away from my digestive fire. So I'm not going to put in a super heavy meal into the operation and add more stress to the system. So really paying attention to what's going on in my life right now I need substance to be able to fuel my body, but I want to bring in something that's going to be the most easy to digest form of nutrition so that I don't stress my digestive system. But then when things are going really well and it's a weekend and I'm really relaxed and all this stuff, that's kind of my time to intuitively pay attention that like, no, I actually want a heartier meal. I want to be able to feed and fuel my body. So I'm always an advocate for helping people rediscover their intuitive wisdom on how to take care of their body, because I will never be able to know what you need. You will always get to know what you need. But the main dysfunction that we have in our society right now is the disconnection between us and our bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of us, what is it like 95% of the population or maybe more is struggling with digestive issues and a lot of us are just ignoring them. I mean, that's what I was told to do. <laughs> I started like feeling six months pregnant. I was like, what's going on? And everyone I would tell, they're like, oh yeah, that's normal. Like I, I get that way too. That's fine. And I'm like, this just can't be normal. Like I don't like the way I feel energetically. My mood was off. I was always irritable. Um, and I was just becoming really and I knew something was up, like there had to be more. So I'm so glad that I found the space. So Michael, how have you been able to like find your balance between, you know, being an FDNP and being into Ayurveda and like this whole metabolism sphere and like PUFA, like all of it? It's yeah, it's been difficult. Um, <laughs> I would really say that I've I've started to let go of all the attachment to the stories and the identities that we create around our diet and our lifestyle and started to really open up to seeing the benefit that all of them have to offer and then using them as a toolkit for my own personal health, my client's health, and seeing exactly where I need to meet that client or myself with these therapies and these tools because some people are not going to want to hear about kapha. The second I use the word pitta, they're going to shut down. They're not going to see it because their mind works very analytical and scientific. I'll meet you there. We'll run a GI map on you. You'll see your entire microbiome. But I'm going to subtly weave in these Ayurvedic practices or these intuitive wisdom that will come from you just having a routine, creating silence in your life, creating joy, meditation practices, functional movement, cleaning out the body, detox. It's all connected. It doesn't matter if you're in the pro-metabolic world, if you're a Matt Blackburn follower or anything like we all have our wisdom to offer. The key is, is to not get indoctrinated and try and pick a story and build an identity around it. And that's where I've went wrong in my health journey is thinking that okay, this one system of medicine has it all figured out and I'm going to study all this and this is going to be my savior. And FDN is it. It's like, no, FDN actually allowed me to improve my knowledge with detoxification and drainage and also gave me access to lab work where lab work is needed. Ayurveda is now filling in some gaps in knowledge. And so 
how I try to find balance is letting go of my ego's desire to try and create identity around these health modality practices and to remain fluid and to remain interested in all aspects of health and allow the wisdom from each one of those things to come in and use them specifically for myself and for my clients. That's so inspiring. Um, and sometimes I think a lot of our clients may come to us thinking that, you know, it is, I mean, health is so complex, but your, your new recommendations for lifestyle nutrition don't have to be so complex. Um, and I think sometimes because we think that we're this complex case and no doctor or physician has been able to figure us out, um, maybe we're searching for that complexity, if you know what I mean, like seeing yeah. all of the functional lab tests, et cetera, et cetera, and looking at things from an analytical perspective which is okay, because I think that just depends on the type of person you are. You know, my mom, as much as I tried to incorporate um, very grounding practices for her, she's just this person who is, who loves the spreadsheets and who loves the schedule, who loves her routine. And, um, you know, I can't, I can't change that. So just wanting to accept, um, who it is that you're working with and knowing that everyone is so different um, and remaining open. I think, I think I've even fallen into so many spaces, like whether it's um, like paleo, oh my God, I used to preach that all of the time and was so anti-fruit, um, anti-grain. Like I have been, I'm the type of person to just be like all in for all. Um, but just remaining open and remaining interested, like you said. And I think you, you, you have a solid foundation. Which is nice. so. Yeah, I will say that I think our personality type, because I see a lot of me and you to where it's an all or nothing mentality. We're going all in. Okay, now uh, pro-metabolic is the thing. This is it. You know, I think we undervalue sometimes by making it super complicated like that about how health promoting human connection is. And I've been seeing this recently as we're coming out of this pandemic right now. And I'm talking to my 85 year old grandma who has been sitting at home all pandemic long watching the news and has no reason to wake up in the morning because she repeats the same day over and over again, because she's too scared to go outside with a mask on. And there's a lot to talk about there and I'll avoid that conversation, but just redirect it to the conversation I had with her for an hour on the phone felt like it completely restored the health in her body by just having somebody reaching out to her, listening to her, allowing her to voice her anxieties and her fears and her frustrations, allowing me to hold space for her and then encourage her to, hey, today, this week, we're just going to go on a walk around the block. Can you just like get outside, get barefoot, get out in nature, go hang out in your backyard for a little bit and drink your coffee, you know, like switch up your routine a little bit. And then those girls that you used to go to church with and you guys have a little card game, it's time for you to start instigating that again. I know you're not the person that does that, but you need to be the person that is going to bring your community back together again because people are desiring this. And I'm seeing it now as we are having this spring resurgence, people are starting to come out of their cocoons and people want to be social. And so I'm realizing that no matter how many supplements I take or whatever, I go on a vacation to Tulum and I meet these people and I go have this great time and I'm walking barefoot in nature and I'm the healthiest I've ever been. And then I come back to Sacramento and everyone's wearing masks and no one wants to talk to each other and all these diseases of disconnection are presenting themselves. And so I really feel like we can get caught up in all these detoxification and drainage and SIBO and parasite and Lyme disease. And those are real and that might be part of your journey but I'm here to tell you that there is nothing more health promoting than to have a good community, to have healthy relationships and to have things to look forward to and to have activities to do on a daily basis. No, I love that you brought this up because the current environment that we're living in is kind of going against all of that. If we're listening to our media, um, people are double masking and you know, to each their own, but I feel like a lot of these um, lifestyle changes that we've seen in the past year, I mean, we're definitely going to see the ramifications. If not, we haven't already. 
um, in some way, shape or form, whether it's mental health, physical health. Um, but I can relate to your story with your grandmother too. My grandmother is all alone. And one thing that we've actually started planning is a trip to the beach with her because it's been a year since she's, or even longer than that. I mean, she's older. So um, I'm like, you need some sunshine and you need some water. And we underestimate like how tough this um, I know I tell this to my clients all the time. I'm like, think about when you're at the beach, like, how do you feel there? In comparison to when you're at your desk and you're working and you're hunched over and you're on your phone and you're just scrolling and scrolling on the couch or watching TV. Um, I think, I mean, there's so many factors, but like there's, the comparison trap, there's electromagnetic frequencies, um, and just like the stress of just scrolling nonstop. Like our minds have never ever in our lifetimes been exposed to this much entertainment or I'm just like, oh my God, our poor bodies. Um, and so I think what you're saying, like just getting outside and not being afraid, um, I think can do so much for you. Yeah. Something that I want to touch on uh, before we come to a close is about this environment. So when it came to mold, it took me a long time to figure out that my environment was what was making me sick. And so I really feel like the best thing that you can do if you're suffering with a long-term health condition is to go on a vacation. And if you don't have the funds to go to Tulum or to do any of these things, because you have all these travel restrictions, I get it. Go camping for three days, four days, get out of your environment, take a sabbatical from your environment and pay attention to how your body responds to this new environment. And then when you come back into your home, smell the smells, like witness what you've been living in that your body has become accustomed to that you aren't aware of that are making you sick. Because if you've had any ongoing lifelong health condition or month long health condition, there's an environmental component to it that you're not aware of because you've been living in the same environment, driving in the same car every day, going to the same cubicle every day, and then repeating that in reverse every day, every week and living out the same life. So if that sounds like you, the first thing you need to do is bust the doors on that, go do something different, take a sabbatical and journal how you feel when you leave it. And then when you come back, and then you can start to optimize what it is that your intuition is telling you needs to change in your environment. And the big ones for me are EMF, which you talked about. My best recommendations is making sure everything's hardwired in the home, no Wi-Fi. Um, I have an EMF canopy that drapes over my bed. So mm -hmm. it's completely shielded. Um, that The website for that is lessemf.com. And you can get a canopy that drapes over the bed. So for eight hours a night, you are not completely saturated in everyone's Wi-Fi's and all the different antennas. And if you really want to know how many antennas are in your area, you can go to antennasearch.com, type in your address, and it'll tell you how many towers are in your area. And I live in a metropolitan city right next to hospitals, and I have 144 towers within a five-mile radius of my house. So the canopy is important grounding every single day is important barefoot grounding opening up the windows of your house this was something that was taught to me by my mom my mom was a clean freak every thursday every friday she would clean the house spick and span open up all the windows air filters in the home if you have a cat clean that litter box two to three times a day i have a hairless cat i love her to death but she drops bombs in that thing that will blow the fucking gasket off the house okay so cleaning that routinely so that you're not breathing in these trapped internal microbes that aren't living in touch with oxygen and air that are just being trapped in our environment. And so really optimizing your environment so that you can optimize your internal environment, I think is incredibly important for healing any type of condition. Oh, I agree. I used to do the same as your mother. Just intuitively, it's like cleaning feels very therapeutic to me. I love cleaning as weird as that sounds I've, maybe it's because I watched my dad do so much cleaning growing up but when I moved into my own house I looked forward to Sundays cleaning and just self-preparing and playing music really loud and just opening up the windows and getting that that fresh air inside because what do they say about like our air inside of our homes isn't it more like polluted than the air outside I mean I guess depending on where you live but, yeah you know, and then the the mold 
it's really important to eventually, if you were living in a long-term home, to get your internal environment tested so they can do plate testing, ERMI testing, so that you can figure out what type of species are growing outdoors and indoors, and then you can compare the levels. And how I found out that mold was contributing to my health is my bedroom specifically had like 40 times the amount of aspergillus growing in my bedroom than was growing outside of my bedroom. So it's time to get the hell out of that house. And it took me a long time to recover from that. Um, and maybe a separate podcast will be just devoted to everything that I did to detox from mold. But I think it's really important to kind of pay attention to what's growing inside your environment because it's going to grow inside of you. I was just going to say, we're going to have to do another podcast episode on like just mold um, because I'm so curious about like why your bedroom, did something happen? Was there like a water spill? Was there flooding? Like, you know, and um, I want to know about like all the lab tests that you did, the lab tests for your home and like everything you did to detox from it because I'm assuming now you're free and clear. Yep. That's awesome. Cool. Um, well, I'm trying to think. There's so much. I, we- I would say before we come to a close, one thing that I've been really interested lately, yes, Ayurveda, but I would say the endocannabinoid system and cannabis in the health sphere is being talked about, but in regards to treating anxiety-related gut issues, I feel that there is nothing that has been more valuable to me than cannabis. And I don't think that all cannabis is treated equal because there was a large part of my life where I would smoke cannabis growing up in my 18s, 19s, 20s. It really helped calm me out, give me clarity and focus. But then when I went through my mold illness, I became so incredibly sensitive that it just made me super anxious. And I hear this a lot with people that they used to smoke cannabis, but now it makes them too anxious. I just can't do it anymore. It just makes me paranoid all the time. And I think that when cannabis became legal, the way that we cultivated and grew it became more about increasing the amount of THC in the plant, the psychoactive component of the plant, as opposed to keeping it in a well-balanced state with appropriate amounts of CBD grown outdoors, grown in sunlight. So recently I've started to fall back in love with this plant and it's allowed me to kind of nurture my nervous system in a way that I have never been able to experience. And so there's this company called Herba Buena and they make sun-grown organic on biodynamic soil cannabis and I have zero anxiety from it, zero paranoia from it. And it brings me such an incredible sense of joy and appreciation. And it calms my nervous system and literally dissolves all of my digestive and gut issues. And so when I see people dealing with chronic gut issues and we've done tests and you're on spore-based probiotics and you're doing all the things, I hate to break it to you, but there's a huge anxiety component. And the endocannabinoid system is a system in the body that's specifically designed to bring you back into balance. And it has a particular affinity. If you look at what its known effects are, it makes you hungry, it makes you happy, and it makes you sleepy. And if you think about all the illnesses that we're suffering today, the majority of which can be traced back to either one of those categories. You either have hungry issues, you have lack of appetite, bloating, all these digestive issues, mood, happiness, people are anxious, depressed, sad. And then sleepiness, we have horrible sleep conditions all across the board. And this incredible plant has the ability to nurture and support all three of those fundamental pillars that can bring the whole body into balance. So if you're one of those people that just can't smoke cannabis or consume cannabis anymore because you're really anxious and it makes you paranoid, I'm just going to offer that it may be the type of cannabis that you're smoking. Because if it's a cannabis that's been grown indoors with EMF and artificial light berating it constantly in this grown indoor environment tent. Imagine if you were in that all day in an office in a cubicle being baked under artificial light, staring at an LED screen with this space heater next to you pumping EMF into your body. You feel like shit, right? So I'm just advocating that if you can find some sun-grown organic biodynamic cannabis, give it a shot vaporize it, edible it, consume it however you can and watch your worries and your creativity come back and watch you all of a sudden want to start painting and drawing 
and doing these stillness practices or going on a walk and just looking at the trees and seeing how incredibly beautiful it is and watching this internal clarity start to come back about, I need to call my grandma mm -hmm. and have this conversation with, it's been a long time. And then you talk to your grandma for an hour and it's the most exciting thing that you've done in months. I'm telling you that there are solutions to these problems and you have your own unique path to them. But one that's been incredibly important for my journey right now has been this Herba Buena sun-grown organic cannabis. Wow, I'm so intrigued. I've actually just pulled up the website. Um, can this be shipped like across states or what What goes, what is that? Like, cause this is the real flower, right? Yeah. Or, what? Yeah, so there is an incredible podcast. I'll answer both of your questions, but there's an incredible podcast on Paul Check's podcast with the owner of Herba Buena. I think her name's Alicia, and she goes into deep depth about the cannabis plant and how it's been ostracized in this modern day growing practice. But you have to be in Northern California to receive this plant right now. So I think that there are ways that you could get it. You can contact a friend, do whatever you got to do, phone a friend, call a lifeline. But um, I think the big key takeaway is, is it must be sun grown and organic. And when it's grown in nature outdoors, it's not going to have that same parasympathetic or sympathetic arousal response that it would do if it was grown indoors. That makes a whole lot of sense. So, I mean, so when I used to smoke, I only reached for it because I was super anxious and it was the only thing that my tense belly would feel relief from. Like I swear, like minutes after I'd be, oh my God, I just feel so much better. I wouldn't do it for like, you know, getting high as the kids did, <laughs> but I, I saw the benefits, but then I don't know if it's because I did it much or like you're saying like it wasn't the right kind I had no idea where I was getting it from but um I noticed like just mental fog and I wasn't feeling clear anymore and I was like okay maybe this is not serving me anymore and maybe um I felt like it was kind of a band-aid like maybe I was re reaching for it just to make my belly feel better um mm -hmm. instead of actually resolving my belly issues but um I can definitely see the benefits of this. And I think, um, yeah, I'm super interested and I want to look into this more. And I think you just shared out a lot of good wisdom. So yeah, I would say like the first thing I notice when I vape cannabis flower is my bowels immediately loosen. And I'm like, Oh, I got to take a shit like <laughs> almost immediately. And so I really feel like that gut brain access is really supported by the endocannabinoid system. Whether you do it through vaping cannabis or consuming a CBD oil tincture, I think that supporting the endocannabinoid system has a particular affinity for the nerves in the gut that have really improves digestion, appetite, and elimination. So however you can get that in the body that you feel comfortable doing that, I would strongly advocate for it if you're dealing with a lot of anxiety related to the gut. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I will link all of the resources um, that we've discussed here today. Michael, thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, for your energy. Um, there is one question that I like to ask my guests who come on the show because it is a human experience podcast. What makes you human? I would say what makes me human is my suffering. So I think all of the things that I shared with you today about all the different, the mold illness, the hair loss, the acne, all these things brought forth these human qualities of compassion, vulnerability, sensitivity. And I really feel that our suffering can be our greatest lesson and our greatest teacher. And for me, it always has been. And so when I get asked the question, what does it mean to be human? I really feel like a big part of the human experience is suffering and then learning how to transform that suffering into healing. Spot on. That was like the best answer. <laughs> That's so true. I can definitely relate to that with my, um, with my story. And that was the springboard for everything. Oh my gosh. Your cat. <laughs> Michael just brought his cat on the show. What's your cat's name? Lucille Bald. She's a hairless cat. I wish you guys could see her. 
but I'm sure you shared um, pictures of her on your story. Uh, okay. Well, thank you so much, Michael. And thank you to everyone who listened. Until next time, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Human Experience Podcast. I always appreciate your love via Instagram DM, so feel free to take a screenshot if you're listening and be sure to tag me on Instagram. And of course, if you feel called to, I would love, I'd love to see you leave a five-star rating and review so that others can hear my voice too. Until next time. I wanted to take a brief moment to chat about the relaunch of The Nourished Method, which is my very own signature course that is 12 weeks long and it's going to look look a little bit different this time around. So if you were with me last year, I launched The Nourished Method for the first time ever. Thanks so much to the women who joined and gave me incredible feedback for this round so that things can be new and improved. Things are going to look a little bit different. No weekly calls. Um, I feel like a lot of the women got a lot of the answers that they needed from the course and just communicating with me via Messenger and the Facebook community. So that's exactly what we're going to do this time around. We're going to have a private Facebook community where all your questions and concerns are going to be answered. I'll be in there every single day. So it's really no different. Um, the course will be dropped all at once. All 12 weeks of modules will be dropped all at once. You'll have the knowledge, wisdom, and tools that I have literally in this course. Um, you'll get trackers, um, meal plans, uh, supplement guides, um, grocery guides, literally so many things, checklists, like the whole nine yards, guys. I'm not going to leave you out in the dark. I want you to succeed. I'm also teaming up, teaming up with some really awesome women in the field when it comes to movement and meal plans. So you'll get set up with that. You'll get the whole works. Um, I'm really excited for this round, you guys. And the early bird special starting on February the 4th is $297, paying full. There's also a payment plan option for that, and the price will go up at the end of the week of the 4th um, to 4 dollars So be sure to sign up early and let me know if you have any questions on Instagram.